Hello, welcome to the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. We're bringing together the best gaming leaders from across the Nordic region to discuss industry passions, challenges, and ideas. I'm Melanie, and I connect businesses with talented freelancers in the gaming industry. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Nordic's Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Liana, Hamish, and Galla. And before we get into it, let's just work our way around the room with some introductions. Um, Hamish, if you want to start for us. Yes, my pleasure. I'm Hamish. I am from New Zealand. I left there in 2011, and I've been working in the games industry ever since. Uh, first stop was at Blizzard, um, and then I moved to Sweden in 2013 to work at Massive, so Ubisoft, um, and I fell in love with the place, and I, I, I can't seem to leave Sweden. Absolutely love it here. Um, I just finished 10 years at Ubisoft, and that's coming to an end, and I'll be starting my new job as Community Director at Chief Rebel next week. So a little bit nervous, but very, very excited. Oh, lovely. Kalle. Hello, everyone. My name is Kalle Johansson Sondelius, the only, as I know, native Stockholmer in this in this podcast. <laughs> uh, I used to work in games media. I was uh, the editor-in-chief of Sweden's biggest uh, games gaming community forum. Uh, then I switched over to the dark side of uh, game dev about two years ago to become a community manager. And today I am the head of community at Ten Chambers, a Stockholm studio that makes the game GTFO. Lovely jubbly. And then Liana. Hi guys, I am Liana DeWitt and I myself am half Dutch, half Venezuela. I moved to Stockholm five years ago and I've been working. I think I'm, I'm the most newbie here within the gaming industry, definitely, if I add up um, all of your experience within it. Um, but I've been working now for the past eight months at Space, um, a gaming hub in the center of Stockholm as a marketing director. I love Space. It's such an awesome place. Nice. Have you, like, cool. When, when have you been? Do you go a lot? Uh, I've been there with my kids. Uh, we we may, uh, had an event there last year, uh, gathering a lot of uh, game industry people. Uh, and uh, I was there two weeks ago for the release party for Zelda in Sweden. Awesome. You were there? Oh yeah. my God. I was there as well. Awesome love it. Yeah, I'm also absolutely obsessed with space. If I lived in Stockholm, I would probably just move into space and I just I just live my days there, probably. Um cool. So now that we have established uh who you guys are, let's move on to the topic. So everyone has a question on counteracting negativity in the gaming industry. So we'll work our way around the room. Each of you get to ask your question, the reasons behind it, and then everyone gives uh has the opportunity to give their take on the situation. So if we start with Kalle and your questions, if you want to ask your question and then give context to it. Absolutely. So my question is, why do we often see community managers as a junior or entry-level position in a, in a gaming studio? And, I mean, the context for that is I, I see a lot of 
uh, young people in this position. I, I mean, I was myself in a lot of recruiting uh, processes for such a position. Uh, they, a lot of studios thought I was too old or too experienced to go into an entry-level position. Uh, but I also see a, a big uh, risk with this, uh, having uh, young and uh, often inexperienced people in this position and getting um, uh, facing a lot of t- toxicity and uh, a lot of bad situations and not having the experience or the support from the studio handling those situations. So I'm, I'm super curious about your your takes on this if i'm right if i'm wrong or what's your thoughts well uh, yeah, yeah, start, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> sorry i was i was supposed to give you the question but i i messed up no i think i think i think it's a fascinating question because to be honest when i read it for the first time you completely changed my perspective on it because in my head it was also immediately like oh because i also like we are also currently recruiting and looking into like community managers and press there was no other way of thinking about it than this being a fairly junior position and then as I'm thinking about why is that the case, and I can only speak from my other experience, like I've, I've worked within payments, like what kind of community do you build around that, right? And uh, I have worked for um, uh, an online like magazine platform as well. And it's, it's been very different kind of companies. And when you look into the community that's built around that, it's very different from what it is within gaming. So from my perspective, it's always like, ah, you know, if someone knows how to deal with people, you know how to deal within a community. But then now, us looking into at space, and we have a very, very um, specific and uh, thought about code of conduct there as well. And we want our community to stick around that. And my expectations on a junior person being able to do that might be out of place there. And it's absolutely fascinating to think about that. And why do we think like that? I mean, for me, it was, of course, because in previous uh, companies, it was just in a different kind of expectations that you had on this position. But the expectations here are always going to be a lot higher. Yeah, I mean, you, and you're often the, the face of the company towards your community in that position. So it's, it's quite a big responsibility for you. Yeah, and you're not even thinking about that, like the face piece. Yeah, no, I hadn't even, because we have also faced those issues of like having someone being a bit too young and you're like, well, maybe you shouldn't have said that. But like, <laughs> exactly. yeah. yeah. And then it's screenshotted and spread all over the internet. Yes, exactly. No. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think, I mean, I'm thinking back to 10 years ago. I think we're in a slightly different place now. I think the seed of this situation of it maybe being viewed as a more junior thing is maybe it has a bit of an amorphous skill set and then it's been one of those emergent kind of roles where people who maybe don't have traditional education can say hey yeah i don't have a business degree or i don't have these sorts of things but i understand this space um i personally was a i went to music school and i uh, study jazz and these sorts of things, but a lot of my side activities were in these kinds of spaces. Um, I did also work in traditional marketing and advertising for like uh, proper full service agencies. And I think it was one of those things that just kind of emerged as a job. Um, and from established companies and organizations, uh, I don't think there was an understanding of those dynamics, if that makes sense. And when you yeah. get when you get into a thing like that, it's a it takes, you know, probably these people being like, hey, I understand what to do here. And I, I feel like that's how this whole community management thing started. Like you said, Carla, you were, a, you know, a big part of forum culture and these sorts yeah. of things. And that's adapted so much already. So 
we're probably getting applications from people now who are Discord uh, folks, right? Where yeah. where is this whole e- evolution? Um, so I don't know if it's changing, but I think maybe the first thing that'll change is companies being more aware of what it means to bring on someone who's a more junior profile and someone who's uh, gone through maybe a few game life cycles or those sorts of things. Would you consider it like a generational thing? I would, like yeah. Because also like how how how... It's it's a different job, of course, but how we also look at social media yeah. and how we manage social media platforms and the way that we basically publish there and TikTok, you know, being the one of the most like the only way to truly go viral there is if you're absolutely organic and true and and um, believable in that sense. And when you look at like previous generations, they don't really understand that perspective from it and like how important it is to be genuine there as well so taking that perspective into the community as well i think that's also a piece of of what is playing here on seeing this as a more junior role versus a more senior perspective yeah. is what you described there yeah and it's interesting interesting about you say liana that I mean, a lot of companies even like mix together the role of a community manager and the social media manager and in my head that's two totally different roles i mean one understands the the platform, uh, I mean, there's such a difference between a TikTok platform or Twitter in the in the kind of content you want to produce and how to engage people on those platforms, while the community manager has a totally different skill set. So, I mean, some people have both, of course, uh, but both of those roles are also often junior positions. And yeah. I mean, as you said, Hamish, I mean, we didn't have the role of community managers 10 years ago, but now companies understand that they need to have a, a person in the front lines in embedded in the community and now i'm gonna ask one more question even though that was not part but what would you say is the main role of a community manager like what is the main thing that these people should be able to achieve within a company or like yeah within their role uh being the ambassador um, ambassador for for the game or the brand or whatever you're work, working with and not just being uh customer service agent yeah exactly you're not just customer yeah. service you're 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 a part of the community. You're the ambassador. You're you're showing the way how to yeah. be a positive force in that community. And I think that's fascinating, like the word of ambassador, because if we would say ambassador within any other sense of it, within a company, we would never pick a junior person no. to be an ambassador for your company. You would be like, absolutely not. You need to be media trained. You need to know exactly what you're saying. You need to know, like, I am very picky with, with who I let do interviews for the companies. <laughs> and then we have this junior person who's like on all of the communities just going around and doing it. And it's like, and I think that really changes your perspective if you have like one person truly doing the job as an ambassador for your company. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I think the other interesting part of this conversation is we're, we're talking about a singular role here and we're also kind of trying to apply it to all organizations. I saw an interesting tweet, it was probably even yesterday, where someone said, if you ask each individual person what a community manager is, like you were just saying, Liana, you'll get a different answer from each person because every company has different needs and uh, kind of desires from from what that role will fulfill. I also think if I was to uh, look at a community manager role, I would ideally be looking at multiple, if that makes sense, because I think, um, and it was touched on before, we have this really like fast shifting space where, uh, you know, we're talking about TikTok and we, we're talking about Instagram and Twitter and obviously those social uh, new dynamic spaces. I think you do need that really current perspective for people who have grown up as digital natives on those platforms. 
I didn't. Um, so I, I, I need uh, people who, who grasp that space better than I do. I try my best to not kind of be completely irrelevant with my knowledge. Um, but I think that's kind of the, the perfect balance, right? You would have a team where someone who's gone through some project life cycles and maybe has a, a bit of understanding of what might be coming um, and someone who also understands how to talk in these new spaces yeah. um, authentically, right? Yeah. yeah. No, it's a whole generational thing as well, like how you interact with with people and completely different. Right now, we have like different languages happening, and sometimes they say something, and I'm like, "What? What does this sentence mean?" <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like I've had a whole conversation with with a lot of my colleagues as well. There was this one conversation that was TikTok, right? Like for young people, which is not true anymore. But when it came out, it was really for 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 kids. Um, I started trying it. I'm obsessed with TikTok. I'm on TikTok all the time. Um, it's kind of uh, impressive how two hours of your life go by without noticing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I got so much crap for it. Um, and oh my god, you're on TikTok? No, no, no. You're not allowed. No, this that. And they were really looking at me like, that's not the place to be. Now, now we need to be in other places. And I was just like, you guys, you guys want to be like into the game, but you don't know about TikTok. And then we arrived to the PR agency that we were supposed to start working with. And the first thing they said was like, yeah, you should get on TikTok. I felt so good about myself. Let's just say that. I felt really good. <laughs> no, no, you, you're completely right. Like things have completely changed. Yeah. I about to start like this this new journey um and i think back to when i was working with the new ip i was uh, we had the division we announced it and we did a lot of work and we got a, an award from facebook which was the fastest growing new ip something that well, i was really proud of at the time but when i start this new thing i won't even do any facebook there's no there's no point there really isn't you're gonna touch it <laughs> no that yeah yeah no i someone dared to suggest to do something on facebook and <laughs> every kid in the room but like everyone was like no our parents are of that we don't want to do that <laughs> like, okay <laughs> i mean b before we we move on i just want to touch upon them and the, the the reason why i asked this question is also i see a lot of of, of risk of of young people uh really struggling with this position position and um, ending up in bad positions or facing a lot of toxicity and uh, and I mean their mental yeah. health will take a toll from that mm. and uh, a lot of them don't don't have the experience or the support from the studios to 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 um, to face that that's so, a good point yeah so uh, that's a really good point like the mental health about it all as well because it's a lot that you face and you don't really have build up the rationality and behind it of like it's not necessarily directed towards me as an individual and that's that takes i know a lot of older people as well they still struggle yeah, with course. that yeah. so it's never yeah, it's 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 a lot of pressure to put yeah. on someone so young yeah, yeah so hopefully we, we see a change i mean we already see uh i mean it's not that new anymore but roles like community developer or I mean, head of community and community director and, and such. So hopefully we see a, a change in that of having the, the internal support for, even though if those positions continue to be junior people, they will at least have experienced people having their back within the organization. Absolutely. Okay. Nice. Before we move on, someone's phone or laptop keeps pinging. I don't know. I don't know who it is. I can't see where it's coming from, but could you 
put your phones on silent if it's at all possible. It's not like it, I didn't hear it. I didn't know. Is it, is it at your house? Ah, or maybe it's just like when my LinkedIn comes through. Okay, well that's fine. If, as long as no one else can hear it, like that's totally fine. I can't hear it either. Okay, no. my bad. Sorry, guys. All right, just, no, no, it's okay. Thank God this isn't live. um well can i ask a question like just before we move on um what support do you think community managers need or should get i think i was going to say that i think having a team because i i I can see that a lot of studios or a lot of organizations think of this position in a vacuum and i don't think that that fosters uh you know that someone to rely on i think ideally um, I would love to have some situation where you have a mentor and you have someone who's a uh, junior and, and that common sense of purpose. I think that can be really good as well to kind of, um, yeah, not feel so isolated, especially when you're dealing with issues of toxicity. Yeah, and I think you touched upon it, Liana. We give people some training, some education. I mean, you mentioned um, a media training. I mean, that's a yeah. really good start because a lot of those situations are similar to what you experience online. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I've done media training and that helped me a lot. Yeah, uh, and it gives you perspective on, yeah, um, on things that helps. Oh, what, what I really think, I mean, and I don't think this is just for community managers, but I think especially for community managers, if you are in a role that is so outworthy, uh, if you want to be successful in your role, you need to have a roof over your head. That is one of the main things that I feel that really makes you excel at a job, at 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 anything you do. And with a roof over your head, that kind of means like if it's raining, if there's anything happening, you know you have someone to back you up. You know that you have someone that even if you step out of line, you, somewhere to come back to. And I think for these kind of positions, it's incredibly important to show that kind of support. Like you are allowed, I don't know if I would call it take risks, but you're allowed to make mistakes. You're allowed to to be part and, 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 and go further because you know that you have someone who protects you. And what you get then in that environment is you get people who are a lot more comfortable in their skin, who are a lot more comfortable speaking out on negativity on things. And they don't mind getting the backlash because they know that they will have inside of their workplace also someone who will back them up. And I think that is incredibly important to provide that to these kind of positions even more so. Yeah. Nice, thanks for that. Um, so let's move on to uh, Liana and your question, please. So this is um, a question that we are dealing with right now because we are in the middle of um, redoing it and, and rethinking it. And that is, uh, what are your opinions on a community code of conduct? How should it be maintained? How should it be executed? Um, how strict should people be with it? And um, how should it come to be those were a lot of questions in one but <laughs> yeah i i don't mind jumping in on this first I, I, it also it depends on what kind of organization you're you're working with right i mean obviously i i come from the world of online live games and i would absolutely say this is important and absolutely necessary um when you're talking about being able to take actions against players who are like outwardly extremely toxic and negative you need to have something to base that on right Mm -hmm. you don't want to get into the situation of banning or taking actions against players and not being able to expressly say why when how all of the reasons i mean you know when you have to deal with legal teams and stuff there's that kind of practicality but also just because you don't want players to ever be confused about why something is happening um i think it's yeah it's something that should be like set out from day one and it should also be uh, adapted um, whenever 
So it should be like a live document that you continue adapting and, and drafting. I would say completely live. I mean, I think, you know, you obviously have like your like end user license agreements and stuff when you when you go and play an online game. Yeah. But I also think it's good to have something on a website like so we can say this is what we expect from our community. Even uh, I think it relates to what we were just talking about for people who are outward facing community managers. I think it's also good to say, hey, look, we're here doing this kind of communication with you as a player base, but this is what we won't accept. This is if you, for example, in Twitch chat, for example, act like this, this and this, you will be banned or timed out or whatever. Or if as a group of people, um, we have promised to give you these streams or, or whatever they are but we are getting absolutely hammered. I think yeah. we also need to protect and, like you say, have a roof over our heads in that regard as well. So yeah. I think it's clear to give expectations uh, or it's important to give clear expectations to a wider player base as well. Cool. Yeah, but it's uh, it's interesting because, I mean, in, in real life, most of these are unwritten or unspoken rules. Like you shouldn't be screaming bad stuff on the subway because then someone will react upon that. Uh, but it, it's not that tangible in a di digital environment. So, I mean, we, I, I agree with Hamish there. We need to set the expectations and also, as you said, have something to fall back on when, when things get out of hand. That This is our rules. This is, if you want to play with us, this is what's expected. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, uh, but that's, that's like also like to hearing your perspectives on it because we, of course, at Space, we deal with a physical space, mm -hmm. uh, a physical area. So... Like, we don't really have an online community the same way for us. And we deal with a lot of kids here as well um, who, who play here, who are here. And, and it's a combination there as well. So for us, this this code of conduct is so important that people also maintain. But then how to continue maintaining it and making sure that it gets executed. And that's like where we are as well. Like, where is that limit? When when do you, like, it's easy to push on a button to like, okay, bye. Uh, yeah. But here, here you need to literally like. Okay, you need to let go. <laughs> I have you actually had to enforce your co your code of conduct before? Well, we've actually had a situation that uh, we have this thing, and and I mean we're trying. I think we we found a way around it, but it was kind of confrontational the first time that we were expected by it. But we have this night that is called Queens and Queers Night. And what it is, it's creating a safe space for women to come and play. Women, LGBTQ, like the whole thing. We want everybody to just feel safe there and come and play. Awesome. And um, and you play for free. You meet some of um, idol. Like we really try to bring a lot of other players in and, and um, a lot of other people in to make this like a nice community where you feel like you can uh, be part of. And we had a couple of guys who were really offended by the fact that they were not um, allowed, not necessarily not allowed to be in, but uh, they weren't welcomed in because they were being quite disruptive uh, towards the whole perspective. And then it's kind of like, what do you do? Because it's not necessarily just for girls or, or queers or, or anything like that. It's for everyone to feel welcomed in. But you still really want to create a safe space for these people to feel that they're not going to be harassed. Absolutely. So what do you do? For us, uh, for us, it was kind of like, okay, you need to calm down. You need to take it easy now. Um, you can continue playing here, but we're going to continue over there. And they got quite upset that at some point, or like, no, you, you're going to, you're going to have to go. They were really upset about that. We got a lot of very angry emails afterwards and everything like that. It's it, after a while calmed down, but it's quite confrontational there, what you're expecting of, of your um, staff to do. 
And that's like where we are struggling on, on where is that line and how do you deal with it? For us, it was just like, okay, you were being disruptive. That was enough. But then in other situations, how do you work around that? It's it's interesting. I mean, our biggest community is, is on Discord. Uh, and I I mean, my mantra for, for our ad- admins and moderators is to not be always to be the enforcer. But when we take a fight, we need to finish that fight. I mean, same thing, <laughs> raising your kids. I mean, if you go into an argument, you better finish that argument or they will know that next time they will. It will not work. It will no, not no, work. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, being, again, being more of the ambassadors than just being yeah. the enforcers. Oh, definitely, definitely. No, and I think that's a good twist on it as well, because a code of conduct doesn't need, it's not negative. It's for being positive, right? So it's like if you have ambassadors that are based on that code of conduct, um, it is about creating that community that you want other people to be part of. Yeah, I mean, and often it's not just about enforcing a code of conduct or a set of rules upon the person breaking the rules. It's showing everyone else that this is not accepted. This is something we won't stand for. So, uh, Mm. and that's equally as important as removing that negative person from the space. Is there a reason, I think we sort of spoke about this with Liana um, last week. Is there a reason why companies and gaming studios decide not to enforce code of conduct? You know, like you sort of said that if, you know, if you decide to pick a fight, then you need to finish it. So is it just a case of there is so much negativity that you cannot tackle every single incident or... Kind of what's what do you think the reason and i'm not asking about your own personal basis of work i just mean in general yeah i think i think in general you're you're completely right i think sometimes it can be a bit overwhelming for people and it can be hard to know where to start if there is that really overwhelming negativity if things are objectively going badly um and there's nothing you can really say um because xyz has happened or something isn't working the way that it should it can be really difficult to know where to even start. Um, I've been in that situation a few times and it's it's really, really, really difficult. Um, so I'd say that's probably the biggest thing that stops organizations from talking is is kind of knowing where to start. I've always maintained that um, I, I try and put myself in the player's shoes and even when things are like at their absolute worst, I would rather that the player base is still angry because that's not going away. I think we can accept that, but at least they aren't confused. Sorry, there's a motorbike coming past my place. I don't know if that's coming through. Um, yeah, I would I would just say that I would prefer that if we acknowledge that players are going to be angry because that's completely valid, yeah. that at least they are not confused about it. That you can make a statement to say this is, you know, we ha- hey, this is not great right now. We understand why you're angry, but here's what's going to happen X, Y, Z. We have this fix. We have uh, this plan to do that. Um, because I think that's the biggest point where you lose players is yeah. something's gone wrong and there's this silence and no one knows what to expect, when to expect it. Um, and that's terrible. I think apathy is like, the absolute killer. Fascinating there. Like hearing your perspective is also when we look at this, like a code of conduct or, or like however we want to see, we, it's black and white. But so many of the situations that we're actually in, that we're confronted with, are not black and white. They're very gray, usually. So how do you make that distinction of like, now you're going over that line. Like, how do you distinguish between gray and what is black and white there? I mean, that goes back to like the experience of the persons uh, handling these Mm -hmm. situations. Like, have they encountered this before? 
uh, do they have experience? Do they have, do they have training? I mean, I know you have security guards at, at space that's probably have some mm-hmm. some training in uh, uh, situations. But also, I think a good part of a code of conduct document is not just having the the set of rules and expectations, but also have a internal document like how what what are what are the consequences for breaking this rule, and and also I think. A lot of things, uh, having, I mean, the persons, on, uh, the, the people on the ground, having someone backing them up and knowing where, if, if a situation escalates, do, do, it, do they need to handle it or can they take help from a security guard or a admin on the Discord server? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. if uh, that's how we handle it on our Discord server. If someone's really, uh, like, questioning uh, uh, being uh, muted or banned, I mean... They escalated to me, and then I take over that situation. So don't they don't feel that they need to handle it if it goes bad? Yeah, I think that helps. Fascinating, guys. Thank you. Nice. Tra- training and experience yeah. M- makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, cool. Well, let's move on to uh, Hamish's questions. Yeah, uh, this is one I've always been really interested to talk to people about, um, especially because I, I mentioned earlier in the call. I think things have shifted a lot over the time I've been working in games. So I would like to ask you all, what would you do differently in community spaces now than what you did previously? Hire a more senior person. <laughs> there you awesome. yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, going back to, um, I mean, I, I, I truly believe in, in being a, an ambassador instead of just the enforcer. You're not showing up when things go bad and enforcing rules or taking actions being integrated with the community rather than just being an outside force that steps in when something goes goes bad and uh, that gives you i i don't like the, the word respect in that sense but it gives you a, a, a purpose within the community that that uh, the core people understand yeah do you think your experience like the amount of time that you've spent working in these things gives you the comfort to be able to do that or is it that your perspective has changed? I think both. I mean, both the experience of knowing, seeing how it's easier to try to de-escalate a situation by talking to a pe- person rather than going in with uh, like uh, a tackle directly. Uh, that often helps a lot. I mean, a lot of people just want to be heard. I mean, a lot of uh, criticism is, is just that. They want someone on the other side of this black void that the internet is to, to listen. And sometimes that that's all that needed to to de-escalate the situation. Uh, whilst a, a younger me would probably just tackle them, kick them out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, the reason I ask is because it's something that I I often ask myself, especially like since I'm like I mentioned before, starting something new, and I've had to kind of ask myself, what would I do differently now with a new project than I would have done back then? And I think one of the things that I probably wouldn't double down on as much as I did. And it relates to counteracting negativity is that I think I spent so much time focusing on addressing negativity at a hundred percent. And I, I kind of missed the opportunities to highlight a lot of the joy of players and a lot of the positive actors in our community. So I think it's really good to talk about these uh, topics of counteracting negativity, but I don't want to do it at the like at the loss of focusing on a lot of the the joy and experiences of these people in the community who are often not as outspoken, and uh, I yeah. I feel like maybe I failed to make those people as seen as they should be. Yeah, no, that is that that strikes such a chord as well. There, like 
one of the main things that we see, for example, in developing the behaviors or, or, or the, the kind of community that we want to see is ambassadors or have people that you look up to. Uh, and that's also working with kids a lot. And it's like as long as soon as they see someone doing what they would like to do and they look up to that person, they start doing a lot more. And we see that we have an academy, we teach coding as well. And the more women, for example, are uh, within the tech industry and within the coding industry and all of that, the more women girls, uh, the more girls you see as well wanting to get into it. And it's so important for you to have someone that you look up to um, within an industry uh, for you to want to take that same place. And and that is also like the opportunity that you're describing here, Hamish, of like when you do highlight the positivity around it, when you highlight kind of the good moments here and there, um, you also inherently improve the rest of it because everybody else starts seeing those moments a lot more come through. Mm. It can be right. tricky though, right? Like, well, yeah, no, I... it's insanely, it's also like it's in reading negative comments versus reading positive comments. It is, Absolutely. the negative comments are gonna, like, I've been on shows like different times myself and it's like, you know, you can read 50 really positive comments and then you have one comment that is like yeah. the most negative thing ever and that's the only comment that you will remember that's the yeah. only comment that you will go on to so it's it's an incredibly hard job to do yeah to like focus on that part instead of the negative pieces definitely yeah it's also you, you touch on something really interesting and it, it reminds me of a lot of the time that i i spent i was responsible for kind of humanizing our developers and making sure that we uh you know talk to them and show people. But I think it is really worth noting that I have this really privileged position as a cis white male and being out in these spaces is a lot easier for me than it is for a lot of the people that I was uh, trying to put out there as well. And they had a very different experience than I did. And I think sometimes we overlook that there's a real unfair burden. Because like you say, when people see more women and people of color in these positions. It's, it can only have positive impacts, yeah. but there is an unfair burden on those people to be put in those positions. And I, I don't know the answer to it because I understand why it is uncomfortable or unfair. It, it's yeah. uh, it, I'm, I'm still very conflicted about it and I, I don't yeah. have an answer about how to... No, it's hard. It's incredibly hard. And it's also like unfair for us to expect that these people do this. And because all the times you have in the company, you have like the um, diversity hire. <laughs> it's, it's, it's bad to talk about, but you know, it used to have quite a lot. And then you have the diversity hire, and they are supposed to to go out and about and talk and 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 be that that person that that you basically show. We fixed it. Cool. Exactly. That, yeah. And and it's incredibly unfair because the amount of scrutiny that these people that these person will go through, you need to be prepared for that. And and it's a really really good point that you raised there because it is it is it is tough. It is incredibly tough, but so important even more that we are able to create the positive community around it instead, mm -hmm. really counteracting that. This is, I think, why, and I'm a very optimistic person, but I feel like uh, young, the next generation of gamers yes. and, and young people are far yeah. more open-minded and receptive of bringing uh, and creating a more inclusive space. So I, yeah. I hold a lot of uh, um, hope for yeah. us continuing to move in a, in a better direction. So oh, I, I have my fingers crossed. Nice. I actually have one more thing when it comes to doing something differently or like mm. in the community, and that's parents. I want to involve parents so much more because it is the situation of my kids are staring at the screen 24 7 what does that mean 
where are they are they losing themselves into where are they going what is happening i don't know i'm not part of it i think it's so important to have parents in there as well and getting parents to to experience what gaming is and the positivity of it and what it can do and 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 what it really uh provides for for kids like it's it's People tend to think, or like parents at least that I've spoken to, tend to think that gaming is an isolated thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most social things out yeah. there. Depending on what game you play, of course, but most games are like, and, and how do we teach them this? And how can we show them the positivity around it? Mm-hmm. So I think if there's anything that we would like to include in our community as well is is yeah, the parental. Yeah, the, I've seen a huge change in those conversations, especially like over the past few years. Um, I was part of a neurodiversity working group at uh, at Ubisoft, and those conversations were not happening 10 years ago. So I think there's been so much progress, especially because not just uh, employees, um, uh, that we have a increased percentage of neurodiverse employees, but also because gaming spaces and these types of activities attack, attract a neurodiverse audience. It's just yeah, it's, the numbers show that. So I think as we move forward and, and get more understanding, I think bringing parents into those things to increase that understanding across the board it only has positive effects. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, no, we, we do it as well because like when you look at uh, a home, right, you usually have one PC that you play on. Um, so it, it becomes quite isolated to do and, and, and it's the kids usually on there if they're playing games. And since we have a lot of gaming PCs <laughs> at the facilities, um, you, you we, we have seen it as well that parents come together with their kids to play and to really, you see the kids teaching them and experiencing and the whole thing, like this is what you do. And I think that's amazing as a parent to do that as well, to go with your kid and show interest in, 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 in what they're doing. And we would love to foster that a lot more as well. That is so awesome because that was not <laughs> my experience growing up. <laughs> I, I went to a very, very different type of internet cafe where it was like, ooh, you know, playing a Counter-Strike and, and Dota. Yeah. And yeah, it was um it was very different from what space sounds like. No, one of the things that we have, for example, is basically Fort Knox to get in there. It's really, it's really tight. And we've actually had one situation that uh, we had one of the kids playing there. And uh, a mom calls. Oh my God, uh, my son won't answer his phone uh, and I don't know where he is. Can 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 you see if he's there? We were like, okay, sure. Can you give me his nickname? Um, do you know that? Yeah, yeah, I know it. Here it is. And we could see in the system exactly where he was sitting. So we walk up to him and uh, we tap on his shoulder. Hey, mom is calling. Can you please answer this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Like, oh my god. <laughs> Phone was turned off. He calls back, and everything is fine afterwards. But point being, mom was so happy. She sends mm. flower after flowers afterwards oh. because she was like, "Oh my god!" Like, and that's like really like the safety all around it, and 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 yeah. and the community around that is so important to foster and create. Awesome. I just want to ask one question before we wrap up, um, just to sort of wrap up everything that we talked about. So, when looking at the people who run community, and not necessarily just community managers, but mm. community ambassadors, uh, community developers, heads of community. What when you're recruiting someone to do those roles, what do you think then are like the essentials and what are the desirables of like what kind of person and skills need to do that job now in 2023, despite it being a relatively new role, but it's ever changing, right? So I mean, I, I would say experience. I mean, and it doesn't need to be experience from having a community manager role in the gaming industry, but 
leading a, a Dota team or being a moderator on a, a fan Discord server or doing your own community things in, in different spaces. Uh, I mean, that gives some some basic tool sets of that they know what they're getting in their in, themselves into. Uh, but also be prepared to not just leave that person. As we talked about previously, mm. don't leave that person. Especially <laughs> for themselves. Yeah, be supportive. <laughs> <Yeah. Exactly. laughs> I, I would say IQ. Um, no, EQ. Sorry, got confused there. Um, I think people skills are incredibly important to have in that. And like being able to manage people and how different people are and empathy towards that, no matter what happens i mean for me that would be a core in 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 anyone that i would be looking for and it's like how do you manage different situations how do you manage different people then the rest around it definitely you have experience that should be around it you have different relevant kind of experience that you would look for it but if i don't see the ability for you to empathize with with other people and and with other players I'm going to have a very, very tough time recruiting for that role. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that, Leanna. I was, uh, I give a plus one for empathy as well. I'm going to be a little bit boring on the practical side. If I was looking to hire someone, yeah. I would be also looking for someone who has uh, content creation abilities. Um, I think some light video editing. I think some knowledge of, uh, you know, technical streaming practices, all those sorts of things. Um, those things are only a feather in your cap if you are going into one of these positions. I don't think you can solely rely on those things, but to me, that's a real nice to have, uh, especially yeah. for a smaller group of people that are maybe trying to get things done really, really quickly. Um, because I think in a lot of these community positions, you have to wear a lot of hats. Um, yeah. So that's a that's a big win for me. All right, cool. So um, before we end the podcast, I'd like to say a massive thank you uh, to all of our guests for joining us today. So once again, uh, on today's podcast, we've had Liana from Space Stockholm, Hamish from Chief Rebel, and Kalev from Ten Chambers. If you are hiring for uh, new roles or you're looking for a new role, feel free to get in touch with us here at Evolution. If you or anyone you know would like to be featured on a future podcast, you can drop me a message as well. I'm Melanie and you can find me on LinkedIn or you can email me at melanie.lindsay at evolution-nordics.com or you can visit us at evolutionjobs.com forward slash SE. Thanks again to all of our guests for uh, being on. Thank you guys for listening and we hope you can join us again next time.